online. Oh, all of those out at Alive, there are several of you that are watching live right now. Also, those that are watching on Facebook, uh, we love that you're watching. The app, if you've got the app, you can download the app and watch live whenever you're away. You, can't, you, can, you, can, you can watch online, you can take notes online, you can give online, you can do it all online, so you have no excuse. And then, of course, all those over the jail campus, come on church. They're part of our church family. We love you guys. We love that you're part of our church. We're so thankful. I'm going I'm to be honest with you, I was kind of weak, and here's why that's kind of weak. We get used to this stuff. We got, hey, that's what we do every week. But I want you to understand how powerful technology is and how we're able to use what God's doing. So, and I don't ever want to take for granted that there's folks that are right now that are in, in the jail, and they're, they're walking and growing in that relationship with God. But, and here's what's really cool is there's several families that are part of our church family now who got their start at the jail campus. Yes. Mm. Mm. So when I say, hey, let's welcome in the jail campus, I don't want your golf clap. I want an all-out shout, get up and give me a little Holy Ghost dance, if you will. So let's try it again. You guys ready? Hey, we want to welcome those over the jail campus, men, women. We're so thankful you for our church family. That's what I'm talking about. Woo. So I- I'm going to warn you, I wasn't here last week. Pastor, oh, I was here, but I didn't preach. So you know what that means. I got some pent-up, I got some pent-up preaching in me. Uh, so <laughs> you better be ready. If you are a first-time guest, my name is Josh. Uh, I have the blessed honor of uh, pastoring this amazing group of people called Authentic Church. And, uh, and so uh, we, we, we are, uh, it, it, well, if you're a guest, by the way, there is a couple things you need to know. You got this on your way in. This is a message guide. There's uh, got some information in there for you. Uh, hey, those of you that are part of our church family, I'm going to give you a little like sneak peek. This is going to change in a couple weeks because in a couple weeks we're celebrating our seventh year. Yeah, seven years. Now they say in marriage that if you get past the seventh year, it's it's you're more likely to make it. And so in church, hey, if you get past your seventh year, it's we got this, right? We no, we just starting to figure this out. Honestly, like we do not have this. We we're we're getting there. But uh, so a couple weeks, this is going to change, uh, and it's going to have some things in there. Uh, just a little like dropping a little hint to you. Uh, in here is uh, if you're a guest, this is for you. Uh, this is called a connection card. Fill this out. Take it to the Connect Center, uh, and we have a, a gift we want to give to you uh, on your way out. It is a hassle-free. What we're going to do is we're going to take that, we're going to give you a gift, and then we're going to send you a letter just saying, hey, we're so thankful that you came and uh, worship with us. So that's there. And then uh, there's a giving envelope. Pastor Corey's going to talk about that at the end of our service. This is for our church family. If you're a guest, you can just go ahead. There's going to be a white bucket that comes by at the end of the message, at the end of the service. Drop it in there empty, and we reuse it, all right? And then go ahead, everybody, everybody get this out. This is the, uh, your message notes. Uh, here, here's what we, it is, it, it's proven that if you write with a short pencil, I think Pastor Yannick said this last week, a short pencil uh, allows for you to have a long memory. 
Okay, we give you a pen, uh, and you are allowed to steal that pen, by the way. Uh, <laughs> we had somebody come back literally with a bundle of authentic church pens, and they're like, we stole these, and they brought them back. I'm like, it's okay. We, you, can, you can take those. It's, it, <laughs> you are forgiven. Actually, that pen is bought by your giving, so it's already yours. Take it with you. Uh, and also, if you like, there's some uh, uh, three-ring binders out in the uh, um, lobby that if you'd like for, to keep your notes in, you can grab one of those. They're free also because you already bought them. We have an amazingly generous church that already got them for you. So grab it, use it, uh, put it to work. So uh, let me be—I uh, I didn't mean to— uh, to do this. I was going to do a standalone message today, uh, and it wasn't called this. It was, it was just going to be a, I, I, it was one of those, hey, we're coming into, into August and got to get going and, and, you know, summer's energetic. And uh, so I started to prepare that message, and then it turned into a, a long, way too long of a message. And so I'm like, oh, I can't do that to all y'all on a, on a J- July 21st. It's, it's warm outside. It's wo- getting warm in here. You can blame the 9 a.m. service for that. We got it down to 66 degrees before the service started at 9 a.m. They got a bunch of hot air, uh, and they get it all, like, uh, you know, hot and, yeah. So, uh, so now, now that uh, we got all warm in here, I'm going to keep it short for you. Uh, so I, I took it, I was like, well, I'll make it two messages. And then as I started to do that, I was like, nope, this is three messages. Uh, so he, here's where we're going. Uh, over the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at the DNA of the local church. So what, what, what are we made up? And really, the why. Because the DNA isn't just why you're made up, it's why you're made up. And we're, we're, we're going to get into a bunch of stuff. I'm going to uh, drop some hints of where we're going. Uh, well, I, I'm, today is about where we're going and then how we get there is going to be the next two weeks. Okay, so I'm going to give you the end, and then we're going to, I'll show you in a minute. Anyways, uh, who we are as a local church is so important. Uh, so many times we get the, hey, I go to church, but the why? Why is the church so important? Why, why do we need to be a part of a local body of followers of Jesus Christ? And, and so we're, we're, going to, we're going to walk through that over the next uh, three weeks. But I, I wanted to, you know what, I really wanted to show you an illustration. Um, really, man... I wish, I wish I had a baseball bat, because if I had a baseball bat, I could really show you this illustration. You got, you got a baseball. You randomly bring baseball bats to church. Okay. Uh, okay, obviously that was planted. Um, <laughs> but uh, we are, uh, my family is in uh, the tail end of our baseball year, and, uh, and so... Uh, it's kind of on the mind a lot, and baseball, there's something in baseball, I think is part of life, it teaches us, that's one great thing about sports, is it really has to do with, with life in general, and if we can apply the things we learn in sports to life, we'd be better people, uh, but the, the, uh, this, with, with baseball, it's, a, it's one of those interesting sports that really highlights uh, the, the cause and effect thing, uh, man, it'd be perfect, I wish, I wish I had a baseball, um, Oh, oh, you got a baseball? It just happened. It's, I'm going to be nice to you. It's a sponge one, okay? I, actually, you know what? To do this illustration best, I need a pitcher. Do, do we have any pitchers in the house? Hey, Mike, I know you can pitch. Come on. All right, you ready? Come on. I've been, I've been working. I got, I got good form. Palm up, palm down. Here we go. Ready? Oh, that's the grounder of the third baseman. I know that too well. Okay. <laughs> So with baseball, there's this, this, there's a this, this cause and effect. There's the action and then reaction, and it continues. So what do you start off with? You start with the pitch, right? And the pitch comes in, and then the batter chooses whether he's going to swing 
or not to swing and how he swings. And all, all this takes place in a matter of seconds. And, and there's that reaction, that response to the cause. So there's the cause and then there's the effect. There's the something puts forward and then something happens. And then the ball's put into play and then you got to, re- the, the fielders respond to it. And so it's hit to the shortstop. The shortstop scoops it up, throws the first base. And hopefully, if you're on defense, it's an out. If you're on the offense, you're hoping to, like, the runner got there quick enough after he reacted to the action. Cause and effect. See, this is, the Bible calls it the, the principle of reaping what you sow. Uh, it, it's really, it's, it, the, you, can't, you can't run to first until you hit the ball. A lot of times we get this out of order, especially in our walk with God. We want things to get to what we, you know, that, that fullness. That we, we would, the, we could, let me use the term shalom. Shalom is, where, is the Hebrew term. We translate it peace. But it's much bigger than just peace. Uh, and I'm going to talk about this a whole lot next week because it's actually how God started everything. God started everything in completeness, wholeness. Everything was the way it was supposed to to be. And that shalom was broken because of a choice man made. But we we want, we want to get back to that shalom. And God actually shows us how to get back to that place. But many times we want to get there without first taking the actions to get us there. And, And this is all from when you look at scripture, and especially when you dive into who the local church is, this is, we have to understand it all begins because of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to show you next week that it actually even goes further back. But as the local body of Jesus Christ, we have to start with Jesus. We have to start there because it is his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And let me show you in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless. So that, that cause and effect, because Jesus died, we, it is useful you have an effect. You, you have salvation. You have, you're able to respond to it. If it didn't happen, then there is no uh, impact. Th- this, is, this is cause, effect. Cause and effect. It, without it, we would be kind of silly to be doing what we're doing. And, and Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's saying, if there is no resurrection, if there is no response in us, then what use is it for Jesus? So everything we do is about Jesus. It's, it's, it's where we get our, it's our first begin. It's the, if you will, uh, in our illustration of pitching, it's the pitcher. He's the one who starts the whole thing. Without Jesus, the church doesn't exist. Without the, uh, without Jesus dying for our sins. Now, it's important that you understand that it's not just that he died, it's also that he lived. He says it's useless if we're, we would still be guilty for our sins. He, t- he tells the church in, 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 the, in church in Rome, when he writes in Romans chapter 8, he says, if Again, cause. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So here's, here's how cause, effect. Cause, step one, Jesus died. Step two, it affected us. We are changed because of what he did. Step three, because of that, I'm changed. Now I become the cause in someone else. And, and that's, that's where we, who we are as a church. And man, I can't wait because uh, this, going into our seventh year, we've got a, we've got kind of a, a we're, we're talking about our stories and how the church, our story, authentic church story happens because there's all these other stories that are involved. 
and it's because of these stories that have interconnected and made an impact that we have a story that needs to be told, and our story will impact other people's stories. You see, you see the cause and effect. It's all interconnected. Now, here's where, the, as I was studying this out and trying to really get to a place, I, I needed you to understand first that the resurrection of Jesus demands a reaction. It demands a response. So in your notes, you can write there, the, the resurrection of Jesus demands a reaction. It demanded a reaction in the, uh, when it took place. It demands a reaction today. In, in Acts, Acts chapter 3, they begin to talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and they get thrown into prison because of it. That was the reaction. No, you can't talk about that in the prison you go. In, in Acts chapter 17, they're talking about it, and the governor, of, uh, governor Felix says, no, 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 I, I, I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ demands a reaction, demands it. We have to respond to it. And, and so when we talk about it today, there's a response to it. And, and typically, a lot of times, we're going to talk about why there may be some negative response to it. It's partly because of the church. It's our fault that there's a bad reaction to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But no matter what, there is a reaction to Jesus. As I was getting ready to do, study this and, and present it, I came across this thing. Um, you know what? I really I need, a, I need a whiteboard. If only I had a, if only I had a whiteboard. Oh, good. Okay, here's what happened. Um, we looked all over this place. There's like three or four easels in this building. We just couldn't find them. So Pastor Corey is now our easel. Um, and he, he, does, he did a great job uh, this morning. They, we, took, uh, we took some pictures. He took some senior pictures. He was on the fence. And uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we, we, uh, so the, uh, I found this uh, diagram. It's called, there's some uh, name, uh, guy, real smart guy, came up with this diagram. And since I can't pronounce his name, I, I like the second term. It's called a fish diagram. It's the fish diagram. And so what you start off with is, you got to start off with where you're going. So what's your goal? What, what, what's your hope for life? What's, what, what do you want to happen in your life? And if you have that, you have to know where you're going in order to get directions there. It's, it's kind of simple. If I, if I want an apple tree, I don't plant orange seeds. Right? That makes sense. Like that, that, so if I want to get to my goal of an apple, see, I know that there's things that have, need to happen beforehand. So let's just... There's things that happen that need to happen beforehand, and this is where they call it the fish diagram. It's because they have these little lines that come off of it. These are the things, see, looks like a fish, right? Fish bones. So this is the fish bone diagram, and, and if you want to get to an apple tree, then you need to have the right seed. You need to have the right soil. I can spell. Uh, you need the right uh, sun. That's it. And you can add different things in here. You've got to have water and all that stuff. But for the sake of the illustration, you kind of see where we're going with this, right? There's these different things that to get here, you need these things. Let's say you need... Okay, those of you who are single, let me help you out. You want, you want a hot date. Hot date. Nobody wants a cold date or, or an ugly date. Um, but you want a hot date. To get a hot date, there's some things that need to go into it. So you need to have the right things. Like um, you need to have the right people. So, the, so here, this is 
any decision you make, you always got to have people involved in it. Especially if you're dating someone, I recommend dating a, a person. It's just helpful. Um, you you uh, you need the uh, the right kind of environment or the uh, the right equipment. Um, this is a big one that they talk about in business. You have to have the right equipment. Um, look at me, that's a big word. I got it right. I think. Uh, so we got the right equipment, and then you need to have the right environment. So at, with, a, with a date, you got to have the right person. So pick somebody in your league, okay? Let's just be honest. If you're a three, don't go for a seven. Okay, it's just know, know, know where you're at. If you're a three, shoot for a five maybe. Okay, it's just, I'm just helping you out, all right? Just know where you're at, okay? And then if you, you, you got to have, you got to know your equipment. Some of you, you need some help in that area. You know, like, you, you might have to bring in some extra equipment. You, meet the, you get the flowers, set the tone, get it all right. Then you got to have the right environment, okay? You need the right environment. You got the sun's going down, and you got this, the, the song is playing, or the fireworks are going off. You gotta, if you want to get to that hot date, you got to get there, right? So you got to know if you have a goal, you have to have the right actions to get there. Does that make sense? Anything. If, and here, here, so in, in our lives, we want... Uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness. You want those things in your life, and you're sitting here going, you know, I want those things in my life, or, and I don't have them in my life. Or maybe you're like, they don't have them in, my, in their life. But if we want to get to them, if we want to get to that place, that place where, let's go with that big word, shalom, that wholeness. And we're going to talk about this next week, because this is where it all begins and where it all ends. If we want this, then our actions need to be in line with our goals, right? This is simple. This is a simple, simple thing. And, and so when we live this out, we need to understand this. Let's give Corey a big hand for being an amazing easel. So when we understand that if we're going to get to where we need to go, we can look at an example in Jesus of he understood who he was. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, he says that uh, he gives, he's uh, in this, he goes into the synagogue, he's handed a, uh, the scroll with has the, the readings for the day in it. So each day in the, in the Hebrew and uh, in, in the Jewish culture has a specific reading for that day. And so he went into the synagogue, he was handed the reading for that day, he rolls out the scroll, he begins to read from it, and this is what he reads. And it comes from Isaiah. Isaiah uh, chapter 61 is where this comes from. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Woo! I mean, I, I think when he was saying that, he was, he was doing, like, he was doing a little Pentecostal on it. You don't, if you don't know how to do Pentecostal, let me show you how to do Pentecostal. Is to bring good news to the poor. Ha! Anytime you see a period or a comma, it's a ha. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. Ha! That the blind will see. Ha! And that the oppressed will be set free. Ha! And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Ha! Okay. Mm -hmm. I can do it. I just need some more amens and I'll be, we'll be right there. Okay? Uh, <laughs> 
he was, he, he was like, this is who I am. He gave his goal. He said, this is who I am going to be. In fact, he sat down, he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the person who was the keeper of the scroll. That sounds like a real fancy term. I'm the keeper of the scroll. And he put it away, and he sat down, and he says, today, this has been fulfilled in your presence. This is who I am. And then, this is what he lived out his life to get to this goal. In fact, so much so that Paul was able to write in, in, uh, to, in the book of Romans to the church in Rome, he, Paul writes, when we were utterly helpless, when we were the people that Isaiah described, when we were those people, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Ha! <laughs> Sorry. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still broken, while we were still needing healing, while we were still separated from him. God sent Jesus to die for us, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So here's what you have to grab. Jesus knew his goal, so therefore his actions had to respond to where he was going. So he lived a life of purity. He lived a life of, of blamelessness and, and grace and mercy. And then he died for our sins. He was crucified. He was whipped. He had a, the, thorn, uh, uh, the uh, th- crown of thorns driven into his skull. He was crucified. The spear put into his side. And he died because he knew his cause. He knew his goal. Jesus' actions matched his goal. He knew where he was going. Everything about Jesus matched his goal. This is what drove the, the many of the, the Jewish elite leaders were driven crazy by Jesus because he knew his goal and he lived it out. That's why like, they were so confused that, that he would be coming from those that were brokenhearted, those that were uh, put astray, those that were separated. He, he, did, he lived his life going after them. That's, one of his disciples was Matthew, who was a tax collector. Now, we, we, we quickly just skim over that. Matthew, the, the tax collector, good. He had a job. Maybe that gives you a little anxiety if you don't pay your taxes. Um, <laughs> you should pay your taxes. Uh, but he, 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 we just kind of, like, that, that was his job. But we have to understand, in that culture, here's how it worked. Rome was the one who cl- was the one demanding taxes. So they would say to the people who lived in Israel, you owe so much in your taxes. So every dollar that you make, 50, 50 cents is ours. Just use the numbers. He, said, uh, he says, so every, 50, uh, every dollar you make, the tax collector is going to demand 50 cents that's going to go to the Roman government. But the tax collector can collect as much money as he wants from you, and the Roman soldiers are going to back him up. So if he says, you owe me 75 cents for every dollar you make, you have to pay it. So he's extorting his people, the Jewish tax collector, was extorting the Jewish people so that he could live on, in, a, in a nice house. So he could drive the newest car. So he could have the newest boat and go on the vacations he wanted to go on. That was, that was who Matthew was. And, and maybe in my mind, I quickly go to like the Godfather. Or so like, like this is like the Italian mafia. Yo, yo I'll, keep your, I'll keep your shop straight. You know, no one's going to mess with you as long as you pay me. You know what I'm talking saying, sir? And then Jesus is buddies with a guy who is the one extorting the people. And what the, the Jewish are going, wait, you're friends with him? It's like, yep. He's the one furthest 
from God. And at one point in Jesus' ministry, he is in a, a Pharisee's home. And as he's there with all these elite religious people around him eating dinner, a known prostitute walks in and begins to wash the feet of Jesus. And they're oh, I can't believe it. Did you realize? He, does, he must not realize who she is. And he hears their, their conversation, and he says, I know exactly who she is, and I still love her. And I'm still going to let her serve me because at, that's who I'm after. One of the parables Jesus tells is one of the most beautiful stories and, and, and illustrates who he was and how he lived his life. And it's, it's the parable that he tells of, the, uh, of being a shepherd. And the shepherd loses one sheep, and he leaves the 99 sheep to go find the one. And he says, I'm so in, in, in involved and so invested in the one that I'll leave the, the ones that have it all together. I'm going to leave them to go get the one. The one. See, Jesus was more concerned about reaching people than keeping people. And I, I love you. I, I do. I, I love every single one of you. But I'm, I'm more concerned about reaching those that are disconnected than I am about keeping people See, see, when, when you, and I, I, the next two, three weeks are going to be more like geared right towards people who call Authentic Church home. I'm, I'm going to, this is like that moment, it's, it's middle summer. You're here because you want to be here. You want to grow. So I'm, I'm talking to you guys that are invested. I, I love you and you make this happen. But if we ever get out of the sight of the one and want to just be the one who get fed, we just need to get bigger and hungry. We, we need to get fatter. I need fed. Please understand, I love you, but I'm okay with leaving the 99 to go get the one. Let me, let me give you it to you in a, a, a picture. It happened to me this past week. I'm, um, I was at a baseball game. My wife was at a softball game. Okay, lots of my life revolves around that right now. So my wife is at a softball game. My daughter has a doubleheader. My son has a game and, uh, at away and uh, away from the home field. And so I have my two youngest with me. I have my son and my daughter. I'm keeping book, okay? So my daughter is running around. She's, she's got her friends, and uh, she comes and asks me a couple times. You know, and I, I know she's there. And then my, my, my brother came, and he's been away, and he's like, hey, as I'm keeping book and getting things done, he's like, hey, Kinsley wants to go with me. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, sure, not a problem no problem, just, just, yeah, so game ends, pack everything up, get in the car, driving, uh, driving to the, my daughter's game, trying to get there in a hurry, and my wife calls me, she says, hey, um, how'd the game go, I give her an update on the game, and she goes, well, how's Kinsley, <laughs> I forgot, I told my brother, that he, I didn't know where she was, my mind was totally blank, I went into super high, like, panic mode. Like, don't tell my wife this, because she doesn't know this happened. Okay, so I'm in full-on, like, crud. I do a U-turn in the road, drive back to the field, before I realize she's with my brother. But in that moment that my little girl was lost, I'm driving back to the field. My son says, I'm hungry. And I say, I don't give a flying flip. Okay, not the best response to a 10-year-old, but in that moment, I didn't care that he was hungry. I only cared that my little girl was lost. See, that's how God feels about his people, his sheep, that he is so concerned that there might be someone lost. Now, thankfully, my daughter was good. I'm okay, okay? I failed as a dad for about seven minutes, okay? 
But God doesn't fail as our father. He goes and says, I will give up everything for that one. That is who I'm after. And because he had such a goal and such a mindset and everything that he was doing, all of his actions went after that one. So much so that when he went to the cross, he didn't die just for humanity. He died for you personally. He died for you. He understood who you were and he knew I will do anything, anything for that one that one to be found, that one to be saved. I'll do anything to get to them. doesn't matter the cost. And as a church, here is what happens. Jesus was the one who began it all. He's the one who has affected you. You received, you, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you have been changed. You have salvation. You have a testimony. You have a story that has now been given to you, and now you have responsibility. Paul says it this way in I uh, uh, throw that up there, that next verse up there. I forget where it's at. And Second Corinthians, there it is. Here it is. It's just, Paul gets this and understands this completely. He says, now, because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere. I hope you know this too. Paul says, I understand that I am changed. I once was a murderer. I once was the one who was after the church. I was persecuting the church. I, but because Jesus died for me, I had an experience with him. My life has been changed. And because my life has been changed, now I am the, I'm the one whose actions are changed and I have a goal. I have a responsibility to persuade others. Now, it's interesting, that word persuade. Because, see, so many times, it's so hard in church when we, we talk about, hey, we want to get more people. We want to reach our community. And we, we do see that, like, the word that we, we use is marketing. Marketing. And it's like the church markets. Like, why do you, church shouldn't have to market. But Paul says, I worked at persuading. I, I, I've worked at it. I, I, see, this is where we have been so busy telling the world they're so wrong that no one's persuaded that they want to be a part of this. The one sheep that's left and is lost it's going, hey, the last time I was part of the herd, the sheep bit me. They told me how wrong I was. They pointed out the spot that I have. They pointed out the stuff that's going wrong in my life, and I don't really want to be a part of that. And it's because of the 99 that the one doesn't want to be a part of the church. Paul says that's got to change. It's our responsibility, our responsibility to the Lord to persuade. we got, we got to present who we are. We have to tell people we're, we, who we are and what we're for. We are for them. And I hope you understand my heart. That it is, just as Paul says, that we're sincere. That we're going after this. And this is why we're doing it. Because I've been changed. Since he goes on, he says, if it seems, <laughs> if it seems we're crazy, <laughs> it's because we bring glory to God. I love that. That's like the first excuse I get. I don't, I don't want to seem like one of those crazy Christians. Well, people already think you're crazy, and it has nothing to do with Jesus, okay? You, you, you are, when, we, when people think you're crazy about Jesus, here's why. It's because you're going, my life's changed. Like, I, I once was this way. I once was this. I once was dirt and trash, and I didn't have anything going right, and everything I tried to do was wrong, and everything, everything was here. But then, then I had an experience with Jesus, Acts chapter 1, it says that you shall receive the Spirit to be my witnesses. 
See, this is where we, we get a little confusion because we're like, uh, that Holy Spirit stuff, and we get a little scary when people talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, because let me just clarify, we are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-driven church. But that doesn't make it so weird. Why, do, why are we Spirit-driven and Spirit-led? Because the Spirit enables us to be witnesses. What is a witness? A witness simply tells their story. That's all they do. They don't memorize verse. They don't have to get up and memorize anything. They don't get up and have to have a a great elaborate speech. They get up and they just tell their story. This is what I experienced. And then it will sound crazy. Well, you got to give me proof that that happened. Well, I I don't have any proof. It just, I know it happened. What you, you got to, that's, that can't be because this and that. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I know it changed me. That's all I can tell you is I once was this, but now I'm here. That, that's what he says. I, you, you call me crazy. And if you, we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit either way. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. That, that, this is a tricky word right here. You really need to dive into it. That it's since, we believe, since we believe that Christ died for all, all in the greek it's a really really confusing word it it literally means all everyone yeah the 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 girl that's broken yeah the guy who's committed crimes yes the one that has political views that are different than mine yep yeah the one who's who's going through situations that are confusing i don't agree with but that's who jesus died for if we believe that he died for all, then we also believe that we have, we have all died to our old life. It continues on, he says in verse 19, so we have stopped, sorry, verse 16, so we have stopped evaluating others from a whole human point of view. Whew. There's that right there. I could spend a whole message right on that sentence. Because remember when in elementary school, when we picked teams, how'd it go? We, we lined everybody up against the wall and we picked them based upon two things, Right? Present circumstances, the dude's big, probably can kick the ball pretty good. I want him on my kickball team, picking you. So what is presently going on? Everything's presently good. They presently have that thing. They can presently kick the ball. That's what I'm going to look at. The other thing that we pick on is past performance. Hey, that person, the last time I played with him, he dropped the ball when it was kicked to him. I'm not picking him. See, we, that, that's how we pick. That's, how, that's the human view of selection. God's view isn't based upon our present circumstances or our past performance. It's based upon our developing potential. Now, I use that word developing potential, those two words together, because potential by itself is worthless. You can have all the potential in the world, and if you don't do anything with it, it doesn't, really, it doesn't cause any difference. But when you're developing your potential, it means you're using your potential to do something. Everything God does is always active. So when he says, I, I want you, that, that's the human view. The human view is based on past performance and what they're presently looking like. God says, this should be really good news for some of you. Because right now you're looking at your pers- present circumstance. You're going, I'm not ready to be a used guy, God. I'm not, I don't have enough scripture memorized. I don't feel right when I get up in front of people. I, I'm, I get a little nervous when I have to talk about Jesus. I, I, my life is not pretty right now. But God's not picking you based upon your present circumstances. And neither is he picking you up on your past. Your past does not dis- determine your, uh, your future place that you're going to be. You, this, that's really good news. Somebody should give an a- amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but he says, you, I, we don't view them by human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely of, from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And then he kicks in the high gear. He says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. God had a goal. And in Christ, he said, I will die for them. I will reconcile. I will no longer hold their, their sins against them. And he lived his life to match that. Then he said, and then he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Whose responsibility is it now? So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. So here, here it is. So Jesus' actions matched his cause. And then God says, this, you, here's your cause. You, you, you have a cause. I've transferred my goals of reconciling the world to you, the church. So when we talk about the DNA of the local church, what is it? It's not Sunday morning getting together and hanging out. The local church DNA is to reach the world with the message of reconciliation. It's our responsibility. Now, just as Jesus knew his goal and then his actions matched it, we know our goal. As the local church... We are ambassadors. We are created. We are meant. We are designed to take the message of reconciliation to the world. Here's the thing. Our actions will match our goal. Moment of clarification here. Because your goal may not be a good one right now. Your goal may have gotten a little off track. Because you can tell where you're, what, where you're going is determined by your actions. Right? So, Jolene and I were having this conversation. And it's been a busy summer. It's been a busy spring, busy summer. I can give you all the excuses. But we, we had a moment where we sat down and I was getting ready for this message. And God was doing a little personal conviction. And he's, because you can determine what your goal is by a couple things. Number one, the first thing you can determine your goal is by what you talk about. So, so at the dinner table, what does your family talk about? That's your family's goals. That's where you're going. What you talk about will determine where you go. And what do we talk about a lot? <laughs> Where's the next baseball game? Where's the next softball game? What's, what's our schedule? And we... We're so task-driven, so next event, going from here to there, and go, 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 go. So every conversation is about that. Very rarely does the conversation end up being about God and how we're going to reach the world. The other thing you can determine what your goal is is where you spend your time. <laughs> well, I, I, I know where majority of my time and our family time has been on one area, and it's not a bad thing. We enjoy it. We do things together. But it's kind of directed our actions. And then God gave me a redeeming one where, like, I was like, you know what, you know, some things 
my, my, my talk, my time, it's, it might be a little off right now. And then the third thing that you know your, what your goal is is what you're willing to fight for. And that was where God was like, I, Josh, I know your heart. I know your heart. See, I, I might get a little riled up at a ballpark. Uh, I might be on the verge of the umpire have to say, you need to leave. <laughs> might, may, or may not have happened. But I'm not willing to fight for it. I'm not willing to fight for it. Now, I might say I am, but I'm not. But I am willing to fight for one more. One more to know Jesus Christ. One more to, to come into a relationship with him and for their story to be changed because my story was changed. And that's who we are as a church. And I hope this message for anything, if it does any good for anyone, will just be that moment where you go, you know what, we got a lot going in life, but I need to direct it. I, I love this because your actions will determine your goal. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, he said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. See, his light has to be in you for you to be the light to the world. That, that's, that one makes sense to me. But then God hit me with something this week. That my city is where I'm placed. See, my city is where I'm at. I'm a father. That's my city. I'm involved at the ballpark. That's my city. I'm involved in, in community events and things that are going around in our community. That's, that's my city. I'm a pastor. That's my city. See, your, your city is where you're at. So many times we're like, well, once I get there. No, your city is where you are. You're a light where you're at. And so just, it's real simple to change all of what my focus was, was just change the way I talk about the ballpark in my schedule. Just change the way I spend my time when I'm at those places. That's where I'm at. I need to be a light there. We, can, we need to understand it's not about something we're going to be. It's who we are. And it's where we are. Serve God where you're at. So Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for having a goal. A goal that was me. A goal that was these people. Your sheep. Your children. Lord, thank you for your actions living out. That I can know you. Now Lord, equip us. Lord, equip us to live out the calling you have for us, the responsibility you've placed on us. Allow us to be the ambassadors you've called us to be. Lord, I thank you, and I give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we're going to do. In just a moment, we're going to respond, and you can participate and respond in different ways. But I want to give an opportunity for you to, for, for some of you to pray this prayer, because to be the light, you need to receive the light. And that, that's where it begins, that, that first pitch. It's for you to accept that Jesus Christ died for you. That he paid for your sins. And the, the Bible has a term that says you repent. It simply means you turn to Jesus. And, and so when we take this moment, we say that that first response, reaction, is Jesus died for me, I accept it. Now there's going to be more and more things that are going to come because of that prayer. But I want to give you a chance this morning to make that prayer your prayer. Jesus, I'm responding to your death, burial, and resurrection that gives me salvation. 
So I want to pray this prayer, and you can pray it and say the same words I say, or you can say it in your own way. You, you, can, uh, you can say it quietly. You can say it loud. I, that's not for me. But will you pray this prayer with me if, you, if you're ready to take that step? With every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, for your burial, and your resurrection. I respond today. I turn to you. I give you my life. I'm going to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen.